Buenos dias, mi gente. It is August 28th, 2020, and welcome back to another episode of Café con Leche Time with your hosts, Jacqueline Alvarado and Jacob Ibarra. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. It is another beautiful quarantine Friday with lots to discuss. Jacob, remember how last week was DNC? Well, this week was the RNC. And let me just say that it was different. Oh, yes, it was. And as Chris Cuomo would say, let's get after it. Yeah, so that was this week, basically, and happened the RNC. That's that's what happened. And yeah. That's- <laughs> you're, at a, you're at a loss for words with the yeah. RNC. Yes, um, all I can say it was a gathering of people not social distancing and no masks were required. Because, you know, spoke. Be- you know the, because the COVID virus, this COVID hoax went away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was a gathering of people and speeches were done. Yeah. By different people. A lot of different people. Half yeah. of them with a... Half of them with the last name Trump. It was it's different people. Definitely their 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 aspect of diversity, I think, was covered of their aspect of whatever that is. I mean, it it, it had a sprinkle of diversity. It sprinkles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, sure. they, they spiced they spiced it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, since it, as you know, last week DNC, this week RNC, so. Jackie, please give us a give us a little summary of what happened this week. You know, don't have to, we don't have to go over like every day like last week because each day really kind of each day really felt the same in a way. But so, give us the basic summary of what happened. So, as we said, half the speakers were Trump family members, meaning his children. So basically, it was like you know, um, and the first lady, and the first lady. True, forgot about her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so in summary, it was basically the Republican Party choosing a nominee, their only nominee they have, and, you know, showing the support to what they have right now in office. That was basically it. There were speeches done by um, Trump's children, um, the First Lady, um, some like executives of corporations as well. Um, it was like a variety of people that support him. And there was a crowd there. Um, their support, like his supporters, all cheering for him. And it was like really like a rally, you know, that um, I think that rally had more turnout than the one he had like in Alabama. Um, <laughs> you know, when that happened. Oh, when... when um... Was it Alabama? Georgia. I forget where it was. Somewhere in the south. Like the south, yeah. you know. That when the K-pop fans pretended to be supporters. Mm-hmm. So like um, for him, I think for him it must have been, you know, so-called quote-unquote success. Um, really yesterday was the um, you know, I guess what they would call like the profound big speech of the RNC, which was Trump basically um accepting the nomination and his daughter Ivanka spoke about, you know, quote unquote successes. So yesterday was really like the 
you know, the end of it, but also like the highlight of, I guess they would call the highlight of it. Yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> yeah, so so it you know, like each day kind of felt the same. It was just attacking the radical left. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden, Joe Biden will destroy America. The Democrats are gonna or make are gonna make sure that America is no longer a safe place, and it's gonna it's gonna basically disappear forever because of all the crime that's gonna happen. Yeah, it was basically the Republicans is always attacking the Democratic side, saying that they're too uh, too much of the radical left and how dangerous it is going to be for the country, and they want to establish law and order, yada yada yada. The things that they said in the past four years, um, basically saying attacking like a normal day, you know, the normal press every day, saying the same thing. It felt like all the rallies combined into one. That's what I'm saying. Like, it really felt like a rally because the, literally the amount of supporters that were there and how it pr- really wasn't like at, no one was wearing masks. It literally felt like it was a rally, like back in 2016 leading up to now. It's like everything. I, you know, I shouldn't say it felt like a rally because I have not been to a Trump rally. So I'll say it felt like watching. Around. Yeah, it felt like watching. It felt it felt like watching the rally because I've like you know seen on media how his rallies go, but never been personally, never would, never will. So, but you know, they, just a lot of the same things. The only time, you know, the only thing that was different now is that because Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee, now they're specifically saying Joe Biden will ruin America instead of Hillary. No, yeah, definitely it had more of a center focus on who they wanted to attack because usually for the past three years it's been like, oh, the Democratic Party. They always keep it like vague by saying the whole party itself. But now it's like they're saying Joe Biden more. Um, And also they were mentioning Kamala Harris too, not explicitly, but like they were kind of, um, you know, attacking her through their speeches, like making like a deep inside message but you clearly understood who they were talking about yeah it was it was pretty the tone was a lot more different than Mm -hmm. the dnc so well the dnc's trying to stay composed they're trying to say like you know what like we gave trump his four years he failed it's time to move on to something better Mm -hmm. that's really what the dnc felt like rnc really felt like uh what was her name from the first night? Just yell, yelling at the at the prompt. Mm-hmm. It felt like for, for like three and a half days. Ah! Really, like they were praising, they were praising what he's done. Um, but yeah, that was that's basically the RNC for you, for all you. Uh, so, can. Deciding between all the very eye-opening moments, what stood out to you the most? Like, what was which speaker or what, what you know, speech or whatever, whatever quote did you think? Like, wow, that to me was like the 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 one moment that will stick in my mind for a long time. There were many things. I mean, um, to be okay, there were there were many things that were incorrect and inconsistency especially with facts 
overall with all his features. features. So they were lies. Lies. Um, Clarity of lies. Um, The one that definitely struck my eye and made me like, what sort of thing and really pause to like actually, you know, think Um, like how, like, wow, like this is just lies and just really facts are wrong was one of the speakers I think it was on the second day or third anyways like they're all the same thing so I don't remember what day it was but there was a, there was a Latina speaker that they had she was she is Puerto Rican and she I guess there she was supposed to appeal to the Latino vote supposedly but what was really funny to me was that she kept praising Trump um, and how he has helped immigrants of Puerto Rico and how she is a proud Latina immigrant from Puerto Rico. When I heard that, it was, um, I didn't see it that night, but I saw it like on Twitter um, and AOC really was the one who really clapped back at this saying how her speech, the speech that that this person, this woman gave was really inconsistent was funny but also really just just terrible because the way she was saying it was like saying that she was an immigrant knowing that Puerto Rico Puerto Ricans are citizens and AOC really clapped back saying that you saying this is literally the problem that we have with the U with the U.S. not acknowledging Puerto Rico as American like as an American territory or acknowledging that Puerto Ricans are American citizens. I wonder. I wonder what her process was like getting her citizenship. Then, exactly. Like it was so. Like there was a huge, inc- like huge gap, and AOC was clapping back to it, and that really caught my eye because it was. It's quite. It is a huge embarrassment. Just overall hearing that, it was just ridiculous to me, and. Is it like just seeing that the party really continues that party, the Republican Party continues to like not at all acknowledge the facts? Like, I like she said it so proud and out loud, and I was like, "Are you like at like do you not know anything about Puerto Rican history? If you are Puerto Rican, like that's the basic knowledge of Puerto Rico." <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been a U.S. territory for a long time, and it just proves the issue that like the the U.S. sees Puerto Rico as not a territory that belongs. You know, it's definitely been an, and that's been the issue for years with Puerto Rico not getting at all the same rights, even though they are American citizens. There's and that proves the issue that we have. Um, consistently with not acknowledging Puerto Rico and not helping them at all. And she, like, that really, that speech, hearing that, like, phrase, like, really was, like, I was just, it was absurd. Especially me, as a poli-sci major, it was just, like, an embarrassment to, like, it was not shocking, but, like, to me, it was still, like, in, like insulting. Honestly. And was it was it also insulting, you know, being the daughter of, you know, real immigrants yeah it it for me like it was just like wow like you have no like, knowledge like you know you know because you know i believe you had two parents that came from a country that wasn't as- affiliated with the u.s 
for citizenship. Exactly. And um, yeah, as a daughter of immigrant parents, it was just like, the heck? What are you talking about? Like, what? And so, like, that really struck my eye. Um, like, that's the speech that really grabbed my attention. Another speech was yesterday's speech with Ivanka um, Trump's speech, how she really um, kept praising, like, the so-called, quote-unquote, accomplishments that the that the administration has. And to me, it was just ridiculous to see how proud and confident she was of saying those things. And really, she just really was kind of vague because, I mean, I felt like her speech was literally what she took from the Democrats and kind of made it her own. Because she talked about how Trump signed for affordable child care. And it made me think of Elizabeth Warren's DNC speech about child care and how, like, that type of thing. So I saw, like, many connections to what the Democratic Party was saying in their convention. But she literally grabbed what they kind of said and she made it like oh he signed this we made this happen and so many million people were impacted gratefully by this if that makes sense like I saw so many parallels in that but she was making it like oh my dad my father whatever um (laughs) made this happen and like totally and the whole like overall convention it was not mentioned at all really the COVID-19 pandemic like they made it like so like not existent there and clearly they did because there's no social distancing and mask but definitely was not at all mentioned and it's really like even like his sons too like really saying oh we're gonna stop oppression and it's like what do you mean stopping oppression you're the one that caused this to be worse than it already was and it's like it was just funny. His sons like literally like praising like we're gonna stop, we're gonna fight for like oppression. And I'm like, what do you mean fighting? You're the one that caused the fight. Like you're literally the problem. So it was really like those type of things. But yeah, overall, those were the three. I say three things kind of that struck my eye. But yeah. All right. Well, you know, those are some very no. Yeah, they were they were points being made by the, at the RNC. Yeah, that's no, exactly what happened. Yeah, another thing, like quick thing, um, was another thing that was like ironic to me. Like they like they want to really create that narrative that you know we're all unified. Was that they had five people being sworn in for their citizenship, and that was to me. I was like, you're not stop no one's gonna fall for this really like if you're trying to appeal to the minority community immigrant community no like this is this tactic doesn't work for for us this is not at all influencing us if anything you're more this is embarrassing us more you're insulting us more than you already are doing like that's not at all effective like who do you like what are you who are you trying to fool you're not you're not gonna fool us Really, that was yeah. That was that was something. That was something. Well, yeah, but... yeah. But overall, like the RNC, like I said, it's it's a different take and different approach to what the Democratic Party was doing. And I, yes, it was louder too. A lot louder. A lot louder. Um, yes, like I said, it's it was different. That's all really all I gotta say. 
<laughs> okay, thank you for sharing your top three favorite moments. Yeah, quote-unquote favorite moments. I really, like, had a laugh at it, honestly. Like, I think it was a good, like, comedy special. I felt like an SNL sketch. But, like, a real yeah. one. Uh, like you know, it gets you get to lie, you get to laugh at the lies they could say so easily when you know like any anybody can refute these lies. Mm-hmm. And be, before you think too hard about the lies, it's funny. No, yeah, I literally thought I was like watching like a live SNL sketch. Like legit, felt like that. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Um, so those are your top three eye-opening moments did you have any eye-opening moments Jacob about the RNC I had a few I had a few I think uh, I want to start with (laughs) Vice President Mike Pence oh I forgot about him oh he was the most boring speaker he has a boring personality he's just so dry a man who, who under any circumstance calls his wife mother, yeah, that's a boring guy. That's a very boring guy. And I understand if you do it in front of the kids. It's disturbing. And I'm not trying. I like that's that's a different discussion for a different day. But but for you know, like I understand when you think, you know, have kids that are young before ten and younger or like twelve and younger, you you refer, you refer to your wife as mother for them to be, I guess, appropriate. I guess. And yeah. in a cons- in conservative America, especially especially like those movies from the seventies and the eighties, I can understand. Or any any like white suburban, like movie, I understand that. But like out of the open, for any circumstance, you call your wife mother, man. You, you're obviously a boring person. So, I'm, but yeah, his speech obviously boring. But he had probably my favorite line in the entire RNC. <laughs> that him and the president, if, if they get reelected, they will make America great again. Again. And I was like, what? Wait, what? And the reason I like that line so much is because it made me think of, do you remember back, um, before, like, 10, 15 years ago, there, there were trailers for movies. You heard the narrator. Like, like especially for, like, action movies. Mm-hmm. They're like... <laughs> and, like, to hype up the movie, he's out to save the world. Again. <laughs> like, that's what it sounded like. They're like, wait, is he trying to hype up a sequel where it's going to be the exact same movie as the original? Except it's going to happen again. And of course, I saw Trevor know how to make a joke about it. I was like, yep, that's hilarious. So I guess the agains cancel each other out. So it has it's it went from MAGA to MAGAY to now it's just, is it just MAG now? Because and then, and then um, you probably would do it again. So it'd be like triple A. Mag Maggie, because you know Trump said twelve years. Oh, bro, that, yeah, whatever, whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay, yeah, whatever. Just break, just you know, break the constitution, whatever. Okay, but you know that that was one moment. Another moment where I found very interesting because 
Apparently, this man found a lot of time in his clear schedule. The attorney general from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He had he had a moment to could speak at the us, RNC. Could you tell us like who like the I guess who the um, Kentucky um, like his like who he is like you know. Um. So, the reason why the. Kentucky Attorney General is a big deal here. Let me let me. Uh, What's his name again? Is Daniel Cameron? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. So Daniel Cameron. Reason why it was very interesting to see him up there is because apparently he's apparently he's a Democrat. Which I was like, oh, um, all right, I get that. I so when the, I guess in a way, Don Jr. was right that the Republican Party is the party of diversity and acceptance because they brought in one dem- they brought in a Democrat because you know the DNC brought and had a had a Republican had a moderate Republican speak against to vote against Trump so why why not get why not do the same thing but also make him also make the speaker a person of color Danny Cameron a, a black man the Kentucky Attorney General spoke at the DNC. Uh, the, sorry, not the, not the DNC. The RNC. Sorry. Oh. Should have been at the DNC, but... Well, the reason... I guess the reason why he was not at the DNC is because he, you know, he already booked his... in his busy, his busy schedule that he had to be at the RNC. But the reason why... So he also spoke out against um, Joe Biden and trying to appeal black voters saying that the Democrats are basically trying to enslave black people's minds. And, you know, like, both parties have had a long history of racism. Long history. That does not excuse both parties. But here's the thing. He, well, he kept saying that he's a black man who can think for himself. But, you know, every time you hear, like, when people say things like that, it's, they're saying a lot of racist points made by very prominent racists. It's literally like saying, I don't mean to offend you, but. <laughs> he's, but he's also, he's also saying the things that were racist, like, like, I don't know if I don't, you've, you've heard of Prager U, right? Those five minute YouTube videos, like, pretty much those people who make the videos and they're obviously racist. They, um, whatever talking points that they have and hope that reach other people, but then like, oh, you're a free thinker, but we're making you say what we think. Mm-hmm. So that's what it felt like when seeing the attorney general for Daniel Cameron speak. And also the reason why it's so alarming to see him there is because he found time out of his busy schedule to be there and yet has done nothing absolutely nothing to reop- to get justice, whatever that can possibly mean now, for Breonna Taylor's family. Mm-hmm. He's done absolutely nothing. The FBI did more, and that's not really saying that much. Like, the whole world knows what happened. Other countries protested for 
Brianna Taylor to get some kind of justice. And yet you have the you have the power to do something about it. No. No. Not gonna do anything. You're not gonna do anything. Except tell everybody that pretty much um you don't you pretty much said with that by being there you don't want to and you won't do anything for Brianna Taylor knowing that there's so much evidence to have the police officers who killed her arrested and charged for murder but that's that was that was that made me feel like shocked because I didn't expect to see him there but also kind of numb because you know there's just way too many crazy sad things that have happened and it's like why is this gonna all of a sudden be over the top like oh my gosh I can't believe it so I think that was one of like where my heart sank but I still felt nothing at the same time the most now to my third eye-opening moment and I don't know if I don't know if our listeners are aware, but I was uh, I was a sport management major. I don't know if they also know this, but uh, I'm a fight fan. You know, I'm boxing, UFC, the rest, the other MMA organizations. I like those. I like those. <laughs> the UFC president was also a speaker at the RNC. Dana White. Dana White. It's hard to top the rest of the speakers for like the most lies to say in your speech. I think he did it. I think he did it. And of course, but the the best, the best soundbite he had that President Trump is the president that has done most in his lifetime than any other president ever. That the fact that President Trump in four years did everything he said he would do compared to all the other presidents of their campaigns. Like, apparently Trump did everything he promised in his campaign and is going to do it again for another four years. And I thought, the first thing he led with his campaign was this wall that was going to go across the entire U.S.-Mexican border. Nothing has been done, really, with that border. Like, man, so... If anything, it sort of collapsed when they were building it, remember? <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, it's a quote, to like use a pun with Race's favorite movie, it, that, new, that new wall that was being built up, it was gone with the wind. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, no. The first thing he promised was the wall. And he still hasn't done that, so... Okay, and of course, you know, he's not a political person. Yet he's been at two RNCs now. And it's kind of funny, to see, it's kind of sad and funny to see which fighters are like backing him up. But that's for that's that I'm not going to talk about that. But yeah, seeing of all the liars up there, he was the this pretty much the one with the funniest lies. I was like, man, like, like it's kind of hard to sound this ridiculous with a bunch of ridiculous sounding people 
But you know, you're standing out, dude. You're, yeah, you're 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 in a league of your own. And but again, and then again, I guess we shouldn't expect different. Like because he said a lot of lies as a mm-hmm. UFC president. He says a lot of a lot of things that are not true, or he'll say a lot of things that that it's on par with him and his brand. So, but yeah, so the things that stood out to me, make America great again, again. Attorney General not wanting to do his job, get justice for a woman who was shot in her own home for no reason because it was the wrong house. And U.S. President Dana White. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like, honestly, it's, this is the world we live in. Literally, it was the RNC definitely was like, could it get more ridiculous? And it did. Like, it literally proved every single day. The kickoff, like, it could it get more ridiculous? <laughs> the kickoff. Ah! Literally, it was like, could it get ridiculous? Could it get more ridiculous? And it did. It had, it had different kinds of what the heck moments. It's literally like the line of it was not a flat curve. It was like up, down, up, down. When people say it was a roller coaster of emotions, they were not lying. It was. And yeah. But then, like, of course, it ends. The roller coaster ends with like flying off the rails and then landing. Mm-hmm. And then it comes, and then, you know, in white pegs, you know, it comes to a slow rolling stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that pretty much is the RNC. It's fine. I mean, if you want to, like, if you want to recap, you know, Trevor Noah, Stephen uh, Colbert. Right, yeah. Recommend but, seeing the like Trevor Noah's and Stephen Colbert's. Um, they can recap it better. They're they'll recap, recap it better. Too. Yeah. yeah. So. They they'll cover all the main points that are funny. Yeah. Better because they're professional comedians, so. So yeah, if you want to recap on that, definitely see them. See those. Yeah. Movies. On that note, I think we finished talking about the RNC. Yeah, thankfully. <laughs> uh, well, hold your horses, because uh, you know what else was a very important uh, topic that happened this week? Mm-hmm. A l- more, uh, more police brutality. Yeah, this week we found out that Jacob Blake, father three children, three sons, uh, were shot in the back seven times. And uh, as of now that we know that he is, he's alive, stable, but paralyzed as a result of the gunshots. And, um, you know, Jack, Jackie, can, you have more context than I do. Could, could you give us this context to what happened that led to this? So to what happened was as um, the details were definitely um, – like in process because there were many details to it but from what my understanding was is that Jacob Blake was um in the that neighborhood and he was being good Samaritan and he saw a fight that was happening like a domestic violence like fight that was going on and he was the mediator in the fight he saw what was happening and as a good Samaritan wanted not to be a bystander he wanted to do something he heard he saw he saw what was happening and wanted to do something for it, stop it. And he did. He was able to mediate the 
the fight from well, that was going on and police were on the scene and he um again this is from what I've read in the last couple of days of course it must be different now um but the details are still kind of shaky however police were on the scene and they thought that he was involved in the fight but obviously he was not involved he was just trying to make it stop and police were trying to in a way, they said that they were trying to talk to him, but again, they were racially profiling by assuming that he was the, he was the cause of the fight happening. But um, he he was going back to his car, and police chased after him, told him to stop, and he was refusing to stop because he literally had nothing to do with this. Really, he was not the, at all the cause. He was trying to really deal with the situation as he was approaching his car police kept yelling at him telling him to stop and all, and as he's approached to his car gets into his car um he tells police officers that he has a knife in the car and police <sighs> brutally shot him seven times in the spine and his children his three sons were there watching the whole thing happen and um, that's where really, like, the details from what I know of, um, like he said, that he told police officers that he had a knife but did not pull out the knife. Um, but police were kicking him and the police officer shot him seven times. That's really what happened. Um, yeah. And... Um... As a result for, because then, you know, the police department held a press conference and trying to justify why it happened because, oh, what if, the what ifs and mm -hmm. it was like, great, we can, anybody can do what ifs all the time. Yeah, definitely. The, the story definitely was developing because it was just the video was shown. That was it. That's what viewers uh, adopted, saw. And... and we were trying to make of the situation really like I heard there were so many um, details that I didn't know it just wasn't clear the whole story but like as I said it's developing and press conferences were like oh he's, he had a knife but yeah. and then we later found out that he said that he had a knife in the car but did not pull out the knife at all and also um, the reason why we know this backstory is because these were witnesses mm -hmm that were able to tell us this story. And, yeah, like I said, the police department tried to have a press conference, try to, like, oh, well, in, a way, just, in a way, justify the actions. And as a result, what happens? The people have to protest. Yeah, people, have, people have to protest the injustice. Again, because nothing changes. And... Yeah, his family and, spoke out as well um, on the press conference and really, really touched in their speech, especially his sister, I believe. was Yeah, his sister definitely had a, um, a speech that was powerful because really she what really struck out in that speech was that she said, I don't want your pity. I don't want really your prayers anymore. Like, this is something that we don't need pity. We need change. Like, it's, 
Our prayers and sorry is not enough. Like it's an inconsistent. It's a very consistent going, like ongoing cycle of this happening. And at this point, it's kind of like we do feel sympathy towards the families because I mean, it is grief. It is some tragedy. It's a tragedy. It's heartbreaking, but at the same time, we are way past that. We are way past it. We have to be demanding. And in her speech, it was it's true. We have to keep demanding. It's demanding we have to feel now. It's not... We do feel sorry. We do. Because that is our human nature to, to be heartbroken. But at this point in time, it's not enough. That's the really the low bare minimum it's yeah and as a result the people protest and then we got a you got a real good glimpse into people don't want to call it this but privilege the like the reality of privilege and to racial profiling because as a result these uh, Oh, Jacob Blake being shot at. People protested. And somehow, a teenager with an automatic rifle gets to just walk up with his rifle, shoot at people, kill people, walk away with the police looking at him after he does this, let him walk away. And applauding him, really. Saying, supporting Thank you. Saying thank you. Basically for helping. Like, helping what? Because you would have killed... Like, I don't understand this message. Like, well, in a way, it should be understandable because this is how America works for... This is different Americas. This is the different American experience. And in, well, there are a lot of racists that are framing Jacob Blake to be the bad guy who there's a justification for this because you know, he's a criminal. This. Do you think the police know who this person is when they first look at him? Do you think they know the past when they look at him? There's so many justifications for, for when a black man gets killed. So many justifications. If, or if you want to use the past against a black man or a black child to get killed, fine. Then we get to use the past of these police officers who have been cited for multiple complaints for being racist against them. Oh, but like, oh, like, want to bring up pass for black men to get shot at by a police officer? Well, how about we use the pass of the police officer who this is not the first time at all, racially profiling, abusing his power of the shield. And it's not, not their first time. Oh, when we look at their past, do it a lot. The kid is 17, the kid was 17 years old. Apparently loves white nationalism. Went to, to a different state with his gun. Shot at people. Got to walk away. 
domestic terrorist. What do you people like to hear that word or not? Domestic because you know, he's from the U.S. Terrorist because he's causing fear by shooting at people. And Fox News has him as a hero. Tucker Carlson's calling him a hero. And I wonder if, I wonder if he's going to go on vacation soon. But he gets to walk away and be if taken into custody with dignity. Kids get, there have been black kids that got killed for playing in the park. But he gets to actually kill people and he get gets to see trial. I don't want to say get away with it yet, but he gets to see a fair trial. A fair trial, whatever. I don't know what a fair trial means in this case, or just he gets to see a trial. And then some people say, oh, well, he shouldn't try him as an adult. He's just a kid. If he gets to, if he gets to go to a different state with a gun, shoot at people because that was his intention, those, those, those are grown up decisions. He was not thinking like a child. Trayvon Martin was a kid too. Tamir Rice was a kid too. But, you know, a lot of conservative media framed them as the villains of the story. The ongoing narrative. And, and as a result of pretty much to make sure you don't... This week to make sure that, especially this week, to make sure you, you don't forget about racial injustice and systemic racism. Sports protested. Mm-hmm. And the first team to do it was the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm-hmm. Refused to step out on the court for a playoff game. And then the other teams followed. Mm-hmm. The NBA players protested by not playing their scheduled games. Mm-hmm. Baseball protested by not mm-hmm. playing their scheduled game. The WNBA protested, and I had the loudest statement, the WNBA. Def- yeah, and also MLS. And um, so definitely sports um, hugely did protest. And I definitely want to acknowledge the WNBA because they were really the first ones to really established this compared to the NBA and of course um, I do like I applaud the NBA and the all met like athletes however definitely who who really have huge recognition to me is the WNBA because they've been spot on since day one about this and of course media including fans don't really realize that and these women are really warriors because they were the ones that had a huge, profound message from day one. And I applaud all the athletes that took took this really platform to really advocate for systemic change. But I really want our listeners and really the world to understand that you also need to applaud and have the same energy and proudness to the to women's sports too because the WNBA like I said they have been doing this from the beginning but we never seem to really care about what they do so I really 
they're the boldest yes admire them for that yes they're the boldest most courageous of the athletes they've been fighting for women's equality since day one literally trying to fight for so they can be paid as their male counterparts and like they've imagined fighting that and they've been also fighting for for um systemic change they have the most to lose literally and like i really want to emphasize how the wmba has been spot on because literally they've been fighting for these two issues since day one just that's also, my little rant sorry i like also, the nba but this really sucks. Also, also remember the senator the georgian senator who you know big time trump supporter all lives matter type of thing and supporting other racist things she's a co-owner of the atlanta team and it's always it, it's <laughs> how to protest the players protesting their co-owner wearing t-shirts to say vote for her opponent vote for her opponent who has the progressive agenda mm-hmm. they're wearing t-shirts with with the where the back of their shirt had um, blood stains like they had like they all had seven bullet holes in their back the most vocal about Breonna Taylor the most vocal about really any aspect of systemic change they're, they're the most vocal and of course they're not gonna they're the ones who don't have the same attention as if you know LeBron speaks out and I understand LeBron's the most famous basketball player in the world but they're like I said they're the most courageous we know they don't have the platform of LeBron, Chris Paul, you know, the, the other NBA stars. And, but they're the ones that are going to be the most in your face about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, oh, keep the politics out of sports. Well, they, like we said, Dana White, UFC president, speaking at the RNC. Mm-hmm. And I definitely, and, yeah. Um, um, one thing I want to definitely clear up in the air really is to understand the difference between boycotting and strike and being on strike. Um, definitely the media has been saying that the NBA and all sports in general have been boycotting, but the reality is that is not a boycott. That is not. These players are in strike. A boycott really means not at all being able to receive their, like, you know, they're not going to get paid for this obviously these NBA players and athletes already are paid for the season. They're just refusing to be be playing for their scheduled games. It's not a boycott. And that's really something that um, it's important to really differentiate like understand the difference between these two because it's a huge it's a huge thing that like I said, these athletes taking a stand definitely is important, but you need to understand the concept of it too. These players are in strike because they believe that this has to stop. They're not yeah. gonna. They're not gonna please viewers who follow them, and they don't understand the concept of systemic change. <laughs> so I really wanted to clear that up because, like I said, I've seen this so much on media saying, "Oh, the NBA is boycotting." I'm like, "No, they're not boycotting. They're not quitting their job. They're just. They're not. They're just not playing this. The play. They're not playing. They're on strike because they believe that systemic change needs to happen. The racism needs to." freaking end they're just not agreeing to play for this they're not quitting their job just want to differentiate that thank, thank you for you know explaining the difference and for people to care pay attention you know they want sports is always the escape 
if this is what it takes for people to care, like, oh, they they don't want, like, they don't want to, they just want to watch their sports. Well, there are other priorities in life. Other priorities, man. You see people like Robert Ory crying because he's a father and just the only advice he can, you know, Robert Ory is a former NBA player. He talks on the panel for with the Lakers for, for like the post-game shows for the Lakers. Was actually a Laker and won championships with the Lakers. Um, he was on the panel, you know, talking about what's going on with police brutality. And he says, as a father, he started crying. Like, the only advice I can give to my son is just do whatever you can to make it home. Like, I'd ra- like as hard, as sad as it is, like, I'd rather see you get, I'd rather just hope, I hope you, the worst thing is you get hit and beat but you get to come home to me and then we can fight that rather than I have to I have to get the phone call that you were killed and I have to fight it alone like he's a former NBA player you know seven time champion and like that's the advice he can give his his son Chris Weber, former NBA player, NBA on, T- on TNT, uh, commentator, very good player. Same thing. Like, pretty much saying, like, we live in a world where the advice we can give, I can give to my son is just try to make it home. Like, that's the, re- like, that's, that's the reality that, that's the advice that they have to get to their sons growing up. That's really scary. Let that sink in. The advice that they can give in case they, they're in any kind of trouble, not that they get into trouble, if they're in any kind of trouble, just try to make it home. Even under the worst case scenario, try and get home. Please get home. That's still the world or the country we live in. Yep, and you know this is another episode where here we are talking about change needs to happen. Really, um, the athletes definitely taking a stand on this definitely proves how they're really doing more than what our politicians who we elect for do. And they shouldn't have to. They shouldn't have to. It shouldn't be their duty. But again, like remember, we started our show, one of our first shows. We started, we talked about Ahmad Arbery, then we, we moved on to George Floyd, moved on to Breonna Taylor, and here we are again, talking about more systemic racism, more people of color being shot. Yeah. For what? What really struck to me, I think it was like one of the press. I think it was. I think I'm. I think it was the person you're talking about speaking at the press conference. But at this point, like really, um you at this point it doesn't matter who you are whether you're black or white latino asian um really etc like if you if you're okay seeing these videos seeing this brutality like who are you like You know, like like he said, I, I forget who said that, but it was at a press conference. It was like in the NBA press conference when he's like, you, 
this is literally ridiculous, heart heartbreaking. And at this point, like you're not at all angry or have any you're have no emotion or really anything to it at this point. You're the issue of America. This is why we are here where we are today. And if you think well, they're NBA players and millionaires. They're exempt. They're not going to experience this. Let me tell you this. The police department that shot at Jacob Blake, they pulled over. Uh, I don't know if he's still on. I actually don't know if he's still on the team. But at the time, Milwaukee Bucks player Sterling Brown was pulled over, told to get out of his car, told to get on the ground. And what happened to George Floyd with having a police officer's knee on the back of his neck happened to this NBA player as well. There was footage complying with police. It is not told why he was pulled over. And this still happens to an NBA player who you think like, oh, this is like whatever. It's not going to happen to them. It happened. A former NBA player who I think is an assistant coach right now for the Milwaukee Bucks, or I believe is the Milwaukee Bucks. Now he's he's an assistant coach for a current NBA an NBA team currently in the playoffs. Table Cephalosha was beaten up by the police, got his leg broken. That's how his career ended, I believe. It so, proves to you the privilege people have. Just in my, general, it's a privilege in the fact that a white, of course, a white NBA player would not be going through this. There is, there's still privilege even in those type of, in sports. There is. The privilege between a black NBA player and a, and a white NBA player. And if, like, oh, if you want to say, oh, well, they're not, that's not LeBron, that's not happening to LeBron. If you want to justify that's not happening to James Harden, they shouldn't be exempt because they are LeBron James, James Harden, or what other NBA star right now in the playoffs, or in general. They, they, you shouldn't be exempt from receiving police, like police brutality because that's who you are. But that might, but that's, might be the reason why they'll be exempt. So, but it, if you don't think it's, it, it happens to pro players, it did. Same police department. And it has. And we don't know about the other, <laughs> the other teams in general. We don't know what happens to NBA players unless they have, like, a huge platform, really. We don't know. Uh, another former NBA player on the Milwaukee Bucks got the cops called on him in a jewelry store. Why? Because a woman thought, like, was suspicious that he might have robbed the place. You know, NBA center has a, has a decent salary to afford some jewelry. Had the cops call on him because he's because he's black in Wisconsin in a jewelry store. D- much different America for for white America, people of color, and the bare minimum to do is acknowledge that the bare minimum. Yeah, at this point, if you're not at all understanding at all, like, it's, you're the issue of America. Like, it's simple as that now. Like, it's clarity. There's so much clarity by now that you need to just, it, it, it's there. It's there. It's what it is. And also, 
one last argument like oh well like, it's not racist like you know like at least there's no segregation and there's no Jim Crow laws okay there's modern day that now yeah. they're not called there's... that anymore but they like, exist but they've modernized that and why does that mean that you have to stop asking for better like segregation is happening in schools happening in areas and cities where there's redlining gentrification there that is segregation pulling out people who have been living there and putting affluent white people in that neighborhood that is segregation we don't call it that we call it gentrification which is a modern day part of segregation like there's a lot of systemic yeah mm -hmm. um yeah like uh what's it called um private schools and charter schools but people there is still systemic racism Mm -hmm. jim crow laws are more of voter suppression there we go voter suppression still exists we have we have people being being put into jail for crime for literally low committed minor 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 offenses minor offenses and of course again this week black man gets shot at while a terrorist at the age of 17 who should not be having who should not be holding that gun in general he's 17 and then became a murderer gets to walk away and be told he's a hero. No, definitely those type of arguments of saying, oh, we don't have segregation Jim Crow laws or you know, or they have the they have the right is not they have the right to vote. Racism isn't as bad as it was before. Well no, it well, got worse. It is well, modernized well, during these times. Well like think of that like it's not as bad as before, but you're acknowledging there's still racism, and it's not just yeah. all because of a few individuals. There's still the systems. The systems perpetuating that all the time. Like, like, oh, it's not as bad as before. Thank you. I was hoping it wouldn't be as bad as before. Like, yeah, it's kind of like you expecting me to say, like, thank you for it. Should I be grateful for this? Like, like, well, yeah, you, we should be grateful that it's not as bad, but I mean, uh, like, why can't why why can't we hold up to the what the constitution says or the declaration of independence like why like we keep saying that it's justice for all or people this is the country where people get treated equally like then can we hold up those values because it's still not happening not at all and again we're saying this on the show again Change needs to happen. Again. That's I guess that's all I have all I have to say about that situation from this week. And it's the ongoing conversation that people need to be having and really understanding that we have the clarity at this point. Like if you don't get the understanding at that at this point like you are the problem of america and like i said before since i've been saying this from like literally the beginning of the show um like since we first started like really like 
educate yourselves. Don't be afraid to call out the racists. Like, you just letting them blabble when you hear something and you hear them going on a monologue of racism, you really need to stand up and say something. Like, do not be afraid to call those people out that you know that are not at all politically engaged or saying, I don't really, I'm really neutral about politics. Like, you just can't, this is not our society. You can't, you can't be in, you just can't be that. You just can't have that mentality anymore. You can't be neutral towards things because politics literally plays in every single thing. And at this point, why is, for example, healthcare, why is that a bipartisan issue? Everyone should be able to have the access to healthcare. Police brutality, why is innocent black men and black women being killed? It's not, it's, it should not be a much of a political issue because literally asking to not get killed. One is that being, why is that being political? Like, seriously, why is that being political? If, if, if they actually are criminals, aren't they supposed to see a trial? That's aren't, how the system works. Yeah, aren't they supposed right? to? That's supposedly the system, it, how it's supposed to, yeah. like. It's always innocent until proven guilty, and like, even like some, like, this teenage murderer is guilty, like, but still gets to see a trial. George Floyd might have used a fake $20 bill. Then you know what? Let him have, you should have let him, he should have had his day in court then if that were the actual issue. Like, if these people are, oh, well, these are criminals, like, aren't they, but they're supposed to see a trial. And then that's how we're supposed to get justice, right? Trial? Supposedly. Big supposedly. And really, like, at this point, what people need to understand is that politics does play in every every single aspect of your life, but also many things, like I said, should not be that political. Like that, and that's like category, like healthcare, like I said, healthcare, education. Everyone should be able to the right to have an education, quality, accessible education. Why is that being a bipartisan issue? Like really? And, and of course climate change. Like literally, why is that? It's proved by science. Why does that need to be a bipartisan issue when we all live in this freaking environment that's literally tearing apart? And the and probably the number one issue now that should not have to be bipartisan. Equality. Literally. Why are we having children being put into cages? Families torn apart. Why is that a bipartisan issue? Yeah, there's a lot of I don't know. I don't know. Like, it should not... Like, it's so split up apart. Like, it is It is politics. And, like... But really... Like, yeah. It's, it's really hard to digest everything. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah I guess... I guess we, we could leave... We could just leave it there. Because yeah, so. there, there will be more shows in the future to talk about these things. Yeah. But yeah, on that note, I guess trend. I guess we transition to something that's a little lighter. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, this, so as you said last week, Jackie, this might this is going to be our last show of the season. 
of the season, not the whole podcast, guys. We'll no. still have um, we'll this... still have episodes, but we're yeah. done with our first season because yeah. quarantine has hasn't ended. So hasn't ended, but the school year has started for me. <laughs> and you're gonna have, you're gonna you're gonna have a busy schedule. Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's I have a lot of things to do. I already have assignments, so like we need to take a little bit of like a like a break. Because I need to get my life together. Like I said, um, like I said before on the show, I'm gonna be working for um I have an internship that's virtual for Congressman Raskin, so I'll be working at at Capitol Hill but from home. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll be busy with that. And I have six classes along with just a lot of things in general and um just busy, busy me, so yeah. Priorities. There are some priorities. <laughs> Education and con- and internship for Congress. Yeah. So, but, and as like you said, because we're still in quarantine, but speaking of quarantine, remember, we started this podcast in quarantine. We did. We needed something to pass the time of quarantine. Yeah, it was really, um, like, a random thought. It was like, I remember we were texting and we were just like, um, I was like, I'm kind of, do you want to make a podcast? And then you were just like, sure. And I was like, what should it be about? <laughs> and somehow we, we look at us. Look, look at us talking about the news of the week, random thoughts. And yeah, it's pretty much this is a good way to like to do something once a week at least. Yeah, like during quarantine, like I was, after school ended, I was really like, what am I supposed to do? And, you know, only Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus, they can only, they can only do so much. They're they're yeah. honest. They're way more enjoyable when you're stressed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've been enjoying Netflix a little bit more, appreciating it more this during these this first week. <laughs> but as a result of this pandemic and quarantine, you know, every, probably everybody's been streaming a lot more, and you know, we we we've watched new things, we watched old things that we've already liked. But then I asked you, like, so. I was like, what, like, what are some new things that you saw during quarantine? And like, wait, that's a good idea for the show. Like, what are our favorite things that we saw in quarantine that were new? Mm-hmm. So we made a list of our top three favorite quarantine edition, like new things now. now that, we, yeah. that we watched, yes. Now it would be, it would be a little clear for our audience. What I mean, new, it could it either has premiered during the pandemic, or we watched this for the first time while being under the pandemic. Yeah, it's so, definitely something new that you like, something new that we haven't seen. We did we didn't see until quarantine, basically. Yeah, yes, and it's it can't be something that you you started before quarantine and finished during quarantine. No, it can't no. be something you rewatched. No, like, you know, a lot of times. Yeah, if it if it's something you didn't see before and you know finally decided to give it a chance, that's perfect. Like totally if, new, like legit, totally you never seen before. Yeah. Legit. N- n- yes, new in general and especially new to you. So with that in mind, we have our top three things. Who who should did you do you want to go first about what your t- one of your top three things are? Um yeah, we're like you're gonna alternate, so I'll name my yeah. first one and then you name your first one. All right, so. Um, yeah, Jack. What are one of your top three? And give us one of give us one of your top threes. One of my top threes is on my block. 
on my block. Yeah. I got into it, it was kind of late, but I hear season four is going to come out. So I think I got it just in time. You know? Um, season three came out, didn't season three come out like this, like during this quarantine kind of? Yeah, I think it did. Season three was like new, like the new episode of season three came out I, on Netflix. I think it came out in March, but yeah, but... but like four, the- March, it was the quarantine, so yeah, we'll count it. <laughs> season three. Um... But you didn't yeah. watch till after. You didn't watch till way after, so it's even better. Yeah, so I watched it. Um, I really liked it, honestly. Um, I saw it, like, kind of, like, previews of it, but I was still kind of, like, I don't know if I should watch it, but I did love the show. Definitely um, one of those shows that I really appreciate because it definitely stars characters that are minorities and their lead characters, too. Um, I don't want to give the show totally away, but if you haven't seen it, please watch it because definitely it's a show that it's it's cute because there's like it stars high school kids, and they really get themselves into like problematic situations. But also the storyline really like it touches a lot of aspects to it, and it, it takes place like in California, like the storyline, um, and definitely it portrays. Definitely, I think it, like, well, for me, like, I live in the East Coast. So, like, I'm not a West Coast, having not grown up in the West Coast. But, like, um, but, for, <laughs> but for me, it definitely portrayed um, well the characters and who they are, their character growth. And I wouldn't say completely, um, you know, like, portrays California, you know, fully, if that makes sense. Because I can't really say that. It takes place yeah. in East LA. It's a, and you know what? Since, you know, I'm from the, I'm from, I'm closer to East LA than, you know, Hollywood and like the cool parts of LA everybody likes to visit. I'll say this. It, it does a good representation. So I also, I also saw the show. I'll tell you this. It, it's a fair representation mm-hmm. of yeah. minority households and minority, you know, and friendships that take place in East LA instead of just, just like gang violence and drugs. Yeah, and poverty. that's why I was so kind of skeptical about it because when I saw like the like the preview and it had like gang, you know, representation, I was just like, is it going to be like over, you know, over um, portrayed of that? But definitely was not. It definitely had like a like a balance of everything. Like it really, like I related to it a lot, especially within the Latino household type of portray um, representation definitely so I saw things that like I could relate to it even though it was a different setting the fact that it was like in the west coast but definitely the characters development and the story like the families I was able to relate to um so definitely was a good was a good it's a good show and definitely it's funny too um it's like it's like a mix of like really high. I don't know why high schoolers end up getting themselves into like difficult situations. Like it's really like I told you that I said it. Like why is it the high school they're involved in like blackmail, money laundering, drugs, murder? Yeah, it's like all a mix. And but what is college about? Partying. Literally, um, but definitely give it a chance if you haven't seen it. I strongly recommend it. And like I said, like to the Latinx viewers. Um, it's definitely you're gonna find a lot of like similarities and you're gonna understand the jokes and like it's definitely the, oh, family, definitely. Dynam- the family dynamic too just overall it's a show that you're gonna enjoy a lot yeah, it has different kinds of representation not of minorities mm-hmm. especially in the latinx community mm-hmm. it not every latinx person is the same no it has 
it literally shows what the Latinx community is. Although we sadly do not recognize it, but definitely shows the representation that it is. It's not just one specific person looking that represents the Latinx community. It's it's it, different. It's different, and definitely something that in, in this generation needs to see. So I'm really glad that they were able to. I was able to see, like, they were able to produce it, etc. And also, I was happy that I'm able to see it. And I don't know how season four is going to come out of it, but we'll see. Not yet. All right, so that's one of your top three. Good choice. On my block is a good and funny show. Yeah. So, what's your number one? All right, one of the one of my top three. Here's the first one I want to drop. It it came out before the pandemic and actually came out last year, but I didn't get to watch it until. I think it was the end of the school year, which we were definitely under pandemic because I was back home finishing up getting my degree. Okay, I'm starting my, my, you know, my, my last year online, full semester. That's fine. <laughs> but I, I, was, I don't remember if it was April or May or even June. But anyways, I was really hoping to see this movie because there was a lot of hype. I remember seeing the trailer and thought, wow, that looks actually really good. I thought, like, last year or a few years ago, I wouldn't, even though I like movies, I don't know if I would have given it a chance, but just seeing the trailer, I was like, man, that looks, that looks really good. And what do you know? It ends up being the Oscar winner for best film. Well-deserved. Yes, well-deserved. And that, what does that mean? That means I'm talking about the movie Parasite. And wow, that movie, the first half is, is a very good movie. You get to learn about the main cast, which is, which is you know, a, a family living in, working class family in South Korea. Try, just trying to get by, you know, trying, just trying to do whatever kind of work that is, just pay the bills. They're poor. And somehow they like they stumble upon this opportunity to work for a very rich family, a wealthy family. And they all, you know, they decide, how about we all find a way to basically work for this family that you know pays better than what we're getting right now. So you know, I guess they're they're trying to trick. They're trick the poor family's trying to trick the rich family so that that way they can all get a decent living for their home. And but they're all gonna pretend that they don't know each other. So mom is gonna be like a, like a housekeeper, dad is gonna be the driver, uh the son is gonna be a tutor for one kid and the daughter is going to be a tutor for a different kid. So they're, they're, they're pretty much just trying to get, get paid as much as possible by that, by the rich family. And in order, but in order for all of them to basically have a job, especially mom, the original housekeeper has to get fired. And it's crazy because then all of a sudden when the rich family wants to go on a family trip, for the weekend, you know, the working class family decides, ah, we're going to crash and, you know, have a weekend at their place. And you're gonna, just going to crash and just chill there. Old housekeeper comes back. <laughs> and it turns out 
in her basement, in the in the house, in the rich family's basement. Her husband is living there, and pretty much she's been trying to do the same thing. Live off of the rich family's not only their money, but their supplies. And then it, the jig is up that she finds out that the family's basically trying to like they got her fired and is trying to, like, you know, Take quote unquote, over. yeah, yeah, quote unquote, steal their money and just like, their, their jobs. So it's it, but it's it's a lot more wild when you find out what the heck is going on. And then at the end, when everything finally just unravels, the like, truth is revealed. <laughs> Yes, and it's so suspenseful. Yeah, definitely give it a watch. Um, yeah, like, it's actually and like you know the when dire- the director accepted his Oscar, like he said, it, all you have to do is just if you don't understand like Korean, it's okay. Read the subtitles. You can get past the little subtitles. You're good. Definitely, I really like the movie. Um, it's it it's was- suspenseful. It definitely at the end you're just like what? It was wild. The second half is just you know, you get a little more anxiety in the second half. It's just then, really wild. The, the second half definitely is a wild. Um, the, like the first, like the first part of the movie, like you, you really, you're getting to know the family. It's a development. Yes. Like it's, it's you're getting it's to know who they are. It's a good build, build up. So like the second half, you're just like, oh my, no. Like you're- like whatever outcome you want at the end like you're scared you're just like let me just get to the end what happens please and the ending uh, we're not going to reveal the ending no no watch watch it people it's it's wild watch a good movie watch a good movie and yeah so that's that's my that's my first reveal of my top three so I'm going to shoot it back to you now number two um number two is um a show that's been going on for a while. Um, it took a pause, apparently, that I heard because um, the main character, the main actress, um, Issa Rae, was doing movies. Um, oh, you know? yeah, I know which one you're gonna. Um, she was she 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 was thriving, so like she had to take you know um, this this apparently this the new season was on pause because she was you know thriving in Hollywood as she should. Um, <laughs> And really doing movies. Um, the show that I'm talking about is Insecure. I got into it later in the game. <laughs> Jacob and I watched it together because um, I don't have HBO. Cause so I lent you. I had to lend you yeah. some HBO, but but for uh, but I, in order for you to watch the show, I had to watch it with you. Yeah, so that's okay. <laughs> that's okay with me. I love Insecure. Insecure is hilarious. So um, I watched that, and definitely it was a show that I'm really glad I got into it. Um, at first, like, I remember when you told me about it, I, we saw, like, the first two episodes, but I was kind of, like, not into it yet, but then I had to, like, get back into it. Um, you, you, you like the way the first episode ends when Issa's on, I want to give a spoiler, Issa's on freestyling about her, about her best friend, Molly. Yeah, um, definitely the show. Yeah, that definitely drew my attention more and like made me want to continue seeing it. Um, definitely a good watch for those who have HBO. Definitely see it. If you don't, then ask a friend to lend to you. Um, find a way. Find, find a way. To get- a way. 
Um, but definitely, it's I can see why it's Emmy nominated, and um, definitely the actresses overall, the representation there too, phenomenal. Um, definitely a show that um, really is really important during these times as well. And um, Issa Rae definitely is a, she's a huge influencer in general, iconic, and overall. She- I can see- <laughs> She literally has dominated a lot in Hollywood and in general she has worked her way up and definitely you can see the hustler she is and I admire her I admire her really and um she's also a girl model now huh she's also a cover girl model she is so definitely like I said she's thriving growth (laughs) definitely some growth if you didn't get the reference there y'all know it's scary how we get that reference especially that gif so um yeah definitely i love the show definitely the character development of characters definitely um i like the drama of it and the romance in general it's like a lot to sink in and i just wonder what's the next season's gonna be like i just don't want to do any spoilers to people that much they have to watch it but definitely it's it's worth a watch like if you want a good laugh and good drama and just it's just some good it's some good stuff And some hilarious, awkward moments. The awkward, yeah. It's really, it's like, it'll make you, like, cringe a little bit. But, like, (laughs) it's funny. (laughs) But, anyway, it's so relatable. The awkwardness is just, like, yeah, like, come on, like, come on. You know you could, you can totally picture yourself in this awkward situation. Yeah, it's a good watch. I definitely recommend it. That's all I'm going to say. Watch it. I love Insecure. I love me some Misa. All right, that's a good pick. Very good pick. Now, what's your second pick? Okay, so I'll admit, every now and then, I like a good reality TV show. That's funny. You gotta you gotta love trash as oh well. Boy. My mom loves reality TV as well, and as I like, sometimes criticized her because I thought, you know, like, mom, come on, you're a teacher, you know, better than this. Come on, you should you should be above this. But you know, when you just sit down and you know turn off your th- critical thinking. It's funny. It's trash. Trash TV is funny. But during this quarantine, there was one new show that I didn't get into it at first. It's been going on for a while. The reason I got into it is because my dad is into it. And then eventually my mom got into it too. And it's just so... I didn't realize how funny it would be to see People make these dumb eyebrow raising, what like w- WTF decisions? Have you heard of the show called Ninety Day Fiance? I heard of it and I refuse to watch it. <laughs> but you would laugh so much. Yes, that's the I second. Just... Any variation, and actually not actually not the actual Ninety Day Fiance. But like the spinoffs, like 90 Day Fiance, Before the 90 Days, The Other Way, Halfway Ever After, and Pillow Talk, doing like the other cast of, cast, <laughs> castmates of different seasons of 90 Day Fiance, watch episodes of the current seasons. Yes, 90 Day Fiance. No, yeah. A trash TV I cannot get into. This cannot. <laughs> I can but- watch. I can listen to sound really bad, and I don't mean to insult Game of Thrones fans, but I'd rather watch Game of Thrones than trash TV. 
well, that's good writing. <laughs> but, but trash TV is just so hilarious when you get it makes you just feel like, huh, at least I'm not there in life. That's true. Like I said, um, for me, it's like, no. It's supposed to make you feel better about yourself, but it's so funny. One of the biggest memes of the year, No Neck Ed. Big Ed. He became a star. He did. I understood the memes, though. I understood what it was for, but I just never watched the show. And now he's on He's on Pillow Talk because he's one of the biggest stars that come out of 90 Day Fiance. Oh, my goodness. And this one thing I do appreciate about um, Big Ed or No Neck Ed. He can take a joke. Like, like now, it's because since the course that became a, such a popular season with No Neck Ed, <laughs> No Neck, <laughs> but that became such a popular season. Now that cast is watching the episodes they were on, and they can now they're gonna see the tweets that were directed at them during the show, with the hashtag Ninety Day Fiance, and basically they get to answer back or laugh or whatever, clap back, whatever they want to do to those tweets that are about those characters, those people. He's the one that can take a joke the best. Like, you can laugh at the jokes about him. It was like, like, look at that. He can take a joke. Look at him. Like, you know, he has thick skin because of his thick neck. <laughs> like, he got thick skin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He can take a joke. He's funny. He knows he's funny. He's a star. And he's, you know, he's not, he's no, he's no millionaire, but no, when he's watching the episodes, he's got on his nice silk robe. He's watching the shows with like cheese and cheese crackers and a glass of wine. So he's fine. Big Ed is fine. <laughs> like, you know, physical attraction, he's not fine, but, but the way he's living life right now, he's fine. It's, as you should, it's quarantine. quarantine <laughs> <laughs> no, th- that's pretty much the way. Oh, those are the three words I'll try to convince someone to, to watch 90 Day Fiance. No neck Ed. <laughs> He's a star. A star was born. A star was born. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. 90 Day Fiance. It keeps you cracking up, especially the Pillow Talk one. You know, because you, know, you know when you watch a show, you make your side comments or a joke what you just watch. But then when you see other people do it, and said your joke and like oh i see it's funny what i said is funny or they said something you didn't think of always funny maybe i'll get in maybe i'll watch something of that nature no you won't maybe i'll turn off my brain i guess no i won't i can't i can't maybe i just play <laughs> in the background and just like just have it on loud like on a loud on my computer just loudly and just like just have it there and just not pay attention to it. You can. You like something about your. I, I let me say, is this accurate? What I'm about to say, you have way too much integrity for that. I have some dignity. Yes. <laughs> I have some dignity <laughs> left in me. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. You know, I wish reality TV is just not meant for everyone. Then again, I used to. I used to watch. A little bit of The Bachelor, but that was like back in the day, like when I didn't know better, <laughs> like in middle school for some reason. I like guess. in eighth grade, but like I said, it's really good. All right, all right, all right, fine. Don't give 90 day a chance. Maybe <laughs> one day, one day, just one day. Listeners, listeners, if you know what I'm talking about, or if you've been curious to give 90 day fiance a chance, watch it Sundays and Mondays. It's, it's still going on. 
Well, yeah, there are a lot of people trying to get trying to get married. Oh, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, okay, no. I would it would have to end for me to like. I feel like it has to die down a little bit for me to like get into it. If that makes sense. Okay, yeah. I mean, but it's it's all like in sixth, seventh season. It has to die down with a, a little bit with the memes. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, fair, fine, fair enough. That's so, how I am. That's how I am. That's yeah. how I am with no, the- I understand. I was like that with Game of Thrones. I was like that with Game of Thrones. I was I was like that with a couple other shows and a couple other movies, so yeah, I understand. But yeah, that's my second pick. All right, Jackie, we're here with the main course, the or or actually in the second was the main course. Now the dessert. Let's finish it off with the cherry on top. The dessert of this my my third pick is yeah. really a show that really um touched my heart. And had and it was produced by my icon, who I idol, who I idolized so much as an actress, um, America Ferreira's show. She was one of the producers and also a director in this. But this show um, only has one season, but it will I'm, have a season two. But will be renewed for season two. Sorry, that was really loud. <laughs> um, it's Hentified. For those who don't know, Hentified, like I said, it's a show produced. Um, Produced by America Ferreira and a lot of other iconic um, actor actresses and actors, um, this show definitely give it a watch if you haven't. It has one season, so like I said, it'll be a breeze. Literally, no, like commitment's not that, you know, bad. <laughs> um, but definitely, this show I think really portray- like really portrays a lot of um, really like the Latino household and literally having a Latino small business and definitely touches on issues of gentrification, especially in the LA area. Um, and definitely, like I said, it's, it touches on many issues that the Latino community faces, but also touches the racism that exists. Like there's um, an actress on the show who's Afro Latina and she represents the LGBTQ plus community as well. And she is one of the main characters in that storyline. Um, I think her name is Juliessa Huli- or something. But she's on um, Better. If you want, if for those listeners who watch Better Like, which is like we are me, like we are me too, like that kind of accounts, like stuff like that. She's on Better Like. So um, if you have seen those videos on YouTube of like the accents and stuff like that, that's from Better Like the best accents. So so she's she's from there. She's from that like. Um, page and she uh, was dominated this show a lot and she is iconic like I said her character as being Afro-Latina in California surrounded by um, um, Familia Mexicanas so like her being that setting um, because she talks about that she moved from New York and she's Dominican so like being it tells her storyline being there and she talks about like the racism a little bit of the Latino community there and that and her being Afro-Latina in California is difficult. And she is um, close with her girlfriend. And she's really close with her girlfriend's family. And they talk about... Um, it's really... The show really... The storyline of the show is really how this small business, this this um, Latino small business, which family-run, it's a taco business. So they are trying to um, really survive day by day because... They're behind on rent. Rent is getting expensive. So really, it's them trying to have stability in their business and really trying to continue being there. And they have to do some renovations and doing some modifications, too. 
there's a son um who co- who went to the university i think was like somewhere weird it was a weird state but anyways he graduated from there got his degree comes back home um trying to fill his dream as a chef and he has ideas um do you know the university Jacob, I don't remember the university. I don't remember the university. He wasn't a son. He was like a cousin. He a was. Cousin. He's a relative. I mean, yeah, yeah. So he's a cousin of the ma- of the family. But like, yeah, by family, like a family yeah, member. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yes. Family member, I meant to say. Um, but he comes back from from getting his degree and being in college, and he tries to help save the business. And definitely, it's like, um, it, it kind of related this to a point because this character like kind of became like an outsider coming back in because he wanted to get like get out of the you know um get out of california and trying to improve his life succeed his dreams and his and those who stayed in in california especially like his cousins kind of like look at him in different ways and like oh now you're so cold white boy you're not let you know anymore sort of thing and that kind of um you know, like, him trying to, like, succeed and his family, like, kind of looking down upon, you know, upon him in a way, because saying, like, oh, you yeah. think you're better than us, but, like, he doesn't really think that. Like, he's just, like, I just want to really succeed in my dreams because I wanted to do this. And I feel like that's, like, a thing that kind of, um, like, when Latinos try to pursue, like, a higher education, like, sometimes but your family members don't they think you they think they think that you view them a different way that you're better than them but it's not that if that makes sense yeah so i also saw the show too and really good show and again it's a, it there's various ways to be latinx mm-hmm. and they're all different you know you have latinx characters in the lgbtq plus community you have a character who kind of reminds me of a tradition like I'm not gonna say stereotypical, but you know, a common person mm-hmm. that like who like who was grew up and raised and lives in East LA, and then of course, like you said, like the cousin who I grew up like kind of like an outsider, doesn't really speak Spanish. Uh, his his dad gave him a different upbringing, wants to come back, and the like you can see like the disconnect that he kind of mm-hmm. has from his family, like just so many different aspects of Latinx life. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, the Latino household too. Definitely, the like within the characters trying to pursue their dreams, even though their family might not understand it. Um, one of the characters, um, who's an artist, she tries to really succeed in art and tries to really, really sell her work. And her mom doesn't really understand that. And she, her mom is working, is um, works at a um, factory making like clothes, and she works really hard all day and, and it touches about that too it touches issues on gentrification union trying to establish unions for workers for labor mm-hmm. workers as well and um like i said this girl and social work. And, yeah social work as well um it like really touches yeah like the afro latina is a social worker so she discusses about that it does it discusses like a lot of different type of topics but like definitely to me was something that I related to was not having your family members like understand what your dreams are, what you plan to do. They want you to, like, the, like I said, the artist, the expectation from her mom was like, you know, to actually get a job, a real job. And the mom is not supportive of art because you think art's not going to pay. So definitely, like I said, it has like the, the varieties of what the Latinx community, like the challenges they face, like within family. Um, While having to battle 
gentrification and yeah, and, and, like a, a like basically a new economy. And also, it touches immigration towards the end. I don't want to spoil the landing part, but it touches immigration as well. And it really touches how, like, in this world today, that gentrification is continuing and really putting family businesses and those, and really, like, destroying the community of what it's been built on, of family businesses, small businesses. So, like, I I really encourage people to give it a chance. And you learn a lot. I mean... Not just like I'm not just saying like for those like in the Latinx community to watch it, even though it's it's like you know you're gonna see a lot of parallels because Lori talks about us in a way like you're gonna find it, but also like I recommend the show to like those who are not who are non Latinx like it's you learn something from it. I think it it doesn't really touch too much on the stereotypes like it tries to balance it, it but definitely it's a show not just for our like us to see but also for everyone to see because you learn something from the show in my opinion oh yeah definitely also i noticed you picked three shows that take place in la yes <laughs> i See, realized that like, like tupac said to live and die in la uh, who knows maybe i might be in la one day who knows never know you never know but that those are good three picks yeah it's a good good appetizer good good main course and a great way to finish it off with that dessert yes gross <laughs> Hashtag insecure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I guess it's my turn for my for my final for my final piece de resistance. Yes. My my fine my uh, this is my uh, Oreo cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory right here. Gourmet. Delicious. Great way to end a meal. Mm-hmm. So this this summer specifically. There was a premiere of a docu-series that there was a lot of hype to it. Ooh, I think I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. I hope so. It it was every Sunday, you know, two new episodes would always drop. It was the talk of Sundays and Mondays. And it was about, it was about greatness in a way. Mm -hmm. What led to, what led to this greatness and Mm -hmm. the pillar, the center focus of the greatness a lot of people call the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Pretty much how everything led up to this particular year, which solidified why he's probably considered the greatest. Under a lot, Even though there were a lot of circumstances that were just not going this particular person's way to achieve that last moment of greatness. And I'm talking about ESPN's The Last Dance, the the docuseries about the final year of the Jordan Dynasty Bulls. Oh my gosh, that that was a wild, wild, wild ride for those five weeks, ten episodes. You got to learn learn a lot, honestly, about mm-hmm. the about about Jordan's Bulls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his mentality. <laughs> Jordan mentality, which eventually led to Mamba mentality. But that's, that's for a different day. But yes, we learned a lot of, got to dive into what Mike, uh, who Michael Jordan was and his time with the Bulls, even before like his dynasty Bulls, which incredible player, averaging 30 points a game, well, almost 30 points, 28, 29 points a game as a rookie when he rookie of the year and 
got to learn about how he, you know, got the Jordan sneaker deal, learn about um, how he even, like, worked so hard to, because this for basketball fans, you know the story. I mean, Jordan got cut, didn't make the varsity team in his high school basketball team his sophomore year, so he worked super hard. And then the following year when he went for basketball tryouts, he became varsity, and then he worked so hard and he got a scholarship to North, <laughs> to North Carolina. Yes, exactly. It's growth. <laughs> <laughs> and then how, you know, he won an, he hit the game-winning shot for his for a national championship as a as a freshman in North Carolina and eventually led to great strength being like national basketball player, uh, college basketball player of the year and you get drafted really high rookie of the year, all the accolades while, you know, playing at a high level. And, you know, his team wasn't that good at first, but how no matter what, he played to win Every all the time, like even his second, like talking about his second year when after he broke his ankle, came back, helped the team make it to the playoffs, and just having an amazing performance against one of the greatest championship teams. And you learned about his best teammate ever, called you know Scottie Pippen, and his other teammates like Charles Oakley and Dennis Rodman, one of the greatest defensive players of all time, and great probably one of the greatest rebounders of all time, uh, the greatest coach of all time, Phil Jackson was um, was in it. The current owner of the Chicago Bulls, you know, so it was in the two other report journalists and reporters of the time, other athletes again who went up against Jordan, you know, were in it and talking about those specific moments that they had in, in during his career and during the year, the years when the Bulls, of course, were winning championships. And it, it's it's great to see like how in depth, like you get to see like how these moments, like people who were there, they got to tell you how like. They experienced it like, like Larry Bird talking about how, going up against Michael Jordan, uh, the Detroit Pistons talking about how yeah we were, we were beating Jordan up before he became a champion, like yeah we had like we were, like yeah Jordan couldn't handle us and then when Jordan beats them they won't even shake his hand for sportsmanship and they walk out like walk out of the arena like punks. Took it personal. Oh he oh and and okay that's one of the funniest things to come out. So as you just said. Jordan was super competitive and still is probably more than likely. And anytime so like someone has like a one up moment against them, you can pretty much just say he took it personally. Because the next time he showed up, oh he embarrassed you. He really embarrassed you. And so and I am still as a as a diehard Laker fan, I don't like his first championship. He beat the Lakers. He beat the Lakers in five. I'm not gonna he like his first personal. championship. I took it personally. Man, like, man, you beat the Lakers. I don't mind the second championship. It's Portland. I don't like Portland. I don't really care about Portland. Drop, dropping his his six threes in one first half and the, the, the shoulder shrug and the dream team. Okay, this is, how, this is all you need to know about Michael Jordan. This is just pretty much how you know he's one of the most competitive people in the history of planet Earth for the dream team. If you don't know who the dream team is, pretty much every person on that team was a Hall of Famer except the one college basketball player. All those players are all-time greats on the dream team for the basketball team. So every every player besides one was a professional, all-star, champion, whatever. No, not everybody was a champion, but you know what I'm trying to say. They're all great players in the NBA. First time that professional players get to play in the Olympics, the dream team. And the reason that it's possible is because the Team USA wanted Michael Jordan to be there. And the only way he'd be there is if you, fill, you stack up the team with other NBA All-Stars. They did. And boy, they blew everybody out. It was pretty much, okay, who's going to get... 
the real competition was amongst everybody else saying, all right, who's going to lose to them in the championship? Because there's no way we're beating that dream team. But this is what you really need to know. In practice, how, com- how competitive Jordan was. Practice, five-on-five scrimmage. He, he's the captain of his, five, of his starting five. Magic Johnson is the captain of the, other, of the other starting five. Magic Johnson's team is beating Jordan. Jordan's team in this, this practice. Practice. And you know, Magic just decided, like, nah, look, just a friendly trash talk. Yeah, like, yeah, they say Chicago now. Uh, yeah, that's what, that's, what, that's what happened when you play a neutral court. Jordan, I took it personally. Goes on a run and destroys Magic's team. And, and then, you know, Magic complaining, like, man, like, even here, like, you got the refs on your side. Like, and Jordan just says, this is my basketball league. Like, this is my era. Like, pretty much, like, pretty much all y'all bow down to me. I'm Jordan. <laughs> and the funniest thing, too, they get on the bus and, you know, make a joke about how Jordan just kills everybody on, just kills everybody. One of the reporters for NBC Sports at the time <laughs> quickly wanted a quick quote from Jordan. So what is he, as you know, they all get off the bus and they're going to walk into the hotel. He, asks, he quickly asks Jordan, like, hey, Mike, all right, answer me this. Game on the line. For the game, game on the line, who takes the last shot? And Jordan just looks at him immediately, like, like looks at him like with like the face, like, what? And just says, me. That's a dumb question. Like, really, like, you're going to ask Michael Jordan, the guy who always takes the last shot. You're going to ask me who's taking the last shot. This is my team. I'm the back-to-back champion right now. I'm the best player in the league. I'm Mr. Clutch. You're really going to ask me who's taking the last shot on this team? And the best way to sum it up, that's a dumb question. (laughs) And and so you got to see how Jordan – Super competitive he is on the court, in practice, how dedicated he was to the game, but also like how much he loved to gamble. Oh, yeah. Oh, he he loved to gamble. And he gambled, you know, blackjack, poker, gambled with his team playing cards in the bus and in the planes. Well, again, one thing I found weird, he also gambles in golf. And for someone who's super competitive and super focused, he doesn't seem very focused on playing golf. And I do, you play for money. I thought you're Jordan who likes to win everything. Why, why are you like not even trying at golf? Come on, man. I wonder your golf game sucks. Like, come on. I thought you're Jordan. It's, but it's you know, funny like how you see like, all, all these other players talk about how crazy it was to go up against Jordan. Like, just couldn't believe his greatness. So Jordan leaving for baseball. And then their second run, when Jordan comes back to basketball and another run of three championships in a row. But that la- and the last season is wild. They how they had to get to that point of winning that sixth championship, especially especially when. Okay, Jackie, let's just say you're on you're on the sports team. You're the captain. You know, mm-hmm. you know one of your, one of your best players on the team during the season says, "You know what? I'm mentally burnt. I need a vacation." If, during the season. If he needs a vacation, <laughs> I need a vacation. You're the yeah. You're the captain. And you're on, and you're also. This is the season where you're gonna you're playing for another championship. And you, and you said, you know what? I need a vacation. Give me the weekend off. No, 
No, nah, that's not. That is not acceptable. Yet somehow, Dennis Rodman, shh, man, that that guy, he's he's lived a crazy life. Gets a vacation from the Chicago Bulls for a weekend. Doesn't show up for a week. Oh my gosh. And, <laughs> and Jordan has to drag him out of bed. Basically, get him out of bed and take him to practice. That's just wild. That was so funny. And what what else? And. Oh, and also they talk. What else do they talk? They talk about him, you know, <laughs> you know his championships against against um, Seattle and against Utah. And they had to talk about. I don't know if you've heard of the flu game. Mm-hmm. Jordan got caught the flu the night before one of the games for the NBA Finals against Utah. He didn't get the flu. He didn't get the flu. It just adds, but it adds to the myth of Jordan. Oh. And then how he was, and how he wins the sixth championship, yeah. So he, it kind of has like a storybook ending, but not like not really, because you know, like the team broke up, and you know, some of them went their separate ways, and you know, got old. But yeah, you should. It should really for like the younger players and the new generation who, you know, they get to only hear like you know the, your dads, or the old men talk about Jordan, and like. You should really appreciate the energy and the effort he put in to being great. He didn't, it's not like, you know, people say, oh, I want to be the greatest. I want to be this. I want to be the next this. He didn't do that. He just wanted him to be his personal best. He wasn't out to seek, he wasn't chasing legacies of a different legend. Mm -hmm. He was just trying to push himself to be his best. And then when he learned how to be a, real leader how to push everybody else to be their personal best like man i'm putting in all this effort guys like you gotta follow my lead to put if you want to be your best you basically got to give the effort i give i know i'm more talented or better than you and yet i i practice like i'm the least talented so you should really appreciate that and then you're gonna and then you're gonna learn about it He's not perfect. He wasn't perfect as a basketball player or as a leader. You're gonna learn about that. He'll, he'll tell, he'll tell you himself. But it was all in the pursuit of greatness, and you know what? He did it, and you know his style is not meant for everybody. His, you know, in-your-face style or kind of a bully in a way. That's not meant for everybody, but man, like he did. But he cared. He cared. Like, because you can see that it kind of, even talking about it, it kind of like, it kind of hurts him that he, that he was that way, but it was in the pursuit of greatness. Mm-hmm. And, man, <laughs> those results really speak for themselves. And the, but, the best part, <laughs> best part, which, in case you guys don't watch it, is when he's when he, he's watching like what other people said about him or said about some certain moment about him on his iPad, and you just see his eyes get all big and like start laughing. Like man, to see Jordan laugh is kind of funny. It takes like like to him like they're just these other like former players who went up against him. They're saying a bunch of BS to him, so it just like is is like he's laughing like he just heard like Dave Chappelle or like. Like doing a comedy special, it's hilarious. 
And it's also really sad that you know, like Kobe, yeah, he does make an appearance, and yeah, like overall, the last dance is amazing. It was amazing. It, what I found like really, um, I think my favorite part of like not my favorite part. I mean, there's many favorite parts, but one line that I really like liked was um, when he busted his ankle. <laughs> And oh my gosh, it's April. Yes, this is like totally me, like who I am as like a person. Do you want to explain that? Okay, so okay, so so for people who didn't know this about Jordan, his uh, sophomore season, um, he broke his ankle, a clean break. So he had to sit out for most of the season, and he was rehabbing it really on his own. <laughs> and he, like he didn't let any of the team doctors, anybody know about it. Because when it was time for him to get, you know, his rehab ended and came back, like, yo, like, like so, they, you know, they're going to expect that his his leg with the bad ankle, they're going to expect that to be weaker than his n- non-injured leg. His leg came back stronger. Turns out his weak, an- his weak leg was stronger than his strong leg. And, like, what the, like, dude, like, but they also, they were kind of worried about him playing again, but he wanted to play. And like the doctors kept saying, there's you're ninety percent good, but there's a ten percent chance that if you re-hurt your ankle, you're not gonna play again. <laughs> like there's a ten percent chance that is you're gonna you're gonna ruin your career. Right? And the George response, yeah, but there's a ninety percent chance I'll be good. <laughs> there's ninety percent chance I'll be fine. <laughs> like like ninety percent chance that's an A. That's a much check. Ninety percent ninety percent is an A on a test. And then the owner then has to explain it with, like, okay, Mike, let's just say, like, you have a horrible headache and you have 10 pills. None of these pills are going to cure the headache, but one pill could kill you. Are you going to, so are you willing to take that chance? And Jordan Jordan said, he said, depends how bad the effing headache is. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you see, like, you guys look at the negative. I look at the positive. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. This guy almost ruined his career. No, and that is totally... Like, I related to that in aspect because that is kind of who I am too, in a way. I mean, I'm... Like, the way that story developed was like, that That would be me. That's, that's kind of who I am. That drive. That's literally me. For those who don't really know me that well, like, when we, because we saw that episode together when, because you, like, I was starting, I haven't finished The Last Dance yet, but you were showing it to me on ESPN Plus when we were watching it. And you oh, looked at me, and you looked at me, and you were just like, that is, that would be, that is you. And I was like, that is me, honestly, that is me. <laughs> and and then, and little by little, you realize, wow, like, this Jordan's mentality on things, like, wow, that's me. No, and, you, I, and all of a sudden you said, "I'm Jordan." No, I I think I said that in one in our, in our episode, one of and earlier oh, yeah. episode, I literally told people I can relate to Jordan's mentality that I have that. Like, why look at the <laughs> negative when you have a huge chance of the positive? So, got it. Fans, when you get it. <laughs> and then you like you love you love his intensity, the drive. No, and literally, like, if, if there's a 90%, like, 90 is an A. All you have to do is literally, it doesn't matter. Literally, you get a 90, that's an A. That's an A, we'll take it. That's the bare minimum we have to have. We'll do it. That's I just, It has to be that. And then, of course, you, all, you, you were just telling us an inconclusion. Inconclusion. Jordan. Jordan. 
Yeah, you, I, 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 I have to give you a shoe deal. I got to call you Aaron Jackie now. No, see, I take it personally. Like, if you... If, <laughs> if you clap back at me, oof, just get ready. I am not... I am really competitive. And, you know, it might seem that I'm not. I'm very quiet. Like, people that know me, like, they, they're like, oh, Jackie can't be competitive. She's, you know, she's quiet. And, like, you thought... <laughs> you, you, you are ready to destroy somebody. I will. I am... I I take it personally. If you insult me, I I take it personally, and I will literally one up you. I am I am the best. In conclusion, Jordan. <laughs> well, and then and then and okay, one I know one thing for sure that the, the Laker fans got so heartbroken to hear that Kobe said that Jordan was Jordan is better than me, and Jordan was like my big brother. Like what you get from me, you got from him. I was like I guarantee all those. Every Kobe fan's heart was broken to hear that women trying to trying to hype up Kobe and trying to make an argument that Kobe was better than Jordan. No, Kobe was the closest thing ever. Basketball, like his basketball playing wise, we ever got to Jordan. So there is no way you can say that that Kobe was better than Jordan. Kobe said it himself. <laughs> but yeah, that's in conclusion, Jordan and. It, in conclusion, that was my that was my top three. But yeah, that's that's what basically was yeah that's that's what's been going on in like our top three. But yeah, that was basically our quarantine um, shows. Yeah, our quarantine watch that was good. Well, Par- Parasite was... Our co- summer summer yeah. quarantine. Yeah, Parasite's a movie, so it's not a show. But you know, I yeah, mean, yeah, quarantine watch. A quarantine watch. Yeah, so, uh, and, yeah, I guess this concludes the episode, huh? Yeah. Oof, we went for a long time. I mean, it was the, it was the season finale. The season finale. Our season finale, yeah. Um, we're going to come back with season two in the next couple weeks. So we just have to figure things out. We're taking a little break. You know, we need a vacation. <laughs> if anything, we need a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, yeah, yeah, it'll be like Jerry Oliver. You know, he takes he'll take a few, a couple weeks off from from one episode to the other. Sometimes I can't. John Oliver takes vacations like, like literally all the time. I'm just like, you work once a week and you just talk. You literally just talking like what you're prompted for, like ridiculous. If anything, Trevor Noah needs a vacation, and Stephen Colbert needs a vacation. They do it every day. Yeah, but so. But since, you know, you're going to be busy and hopefully I'll be busy soon with this job hunting and interviews. Hopefully it means job soon. Um, yeah, so pretty much we got to figure out what this is a yeah, pause. The pause. We got to figure out what, this, what the schedule is going to look like now that, you know, thing, you know that things are going to get a lot busier. So time to just now find the time to see when is the best time to come back and do more episodes. And we'll come back strong. We'll definitely come back before um, the end of the year. So we'll definitely come back before then. But for now, um, educate yourselves. Um, be- quarantine yourselves still. It still exists. And wear a mask. Yeah. Wear a ma- oh, yeah, wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, thank you for season one. Um, it was a good season. We talked about a lot, a variety of things. Yeah, we did. We took things personally. <laughs> We've had a couple guests on the show too. We had a couple guests. So thank you to our guests for 
who are our listeners as well. And we'll hopefully have more guests soon. Hopefully I can have some professors come on this and tell us tell them about that. Um, hopefully they do come on our show because we need different voices besides our voices. I know I know our listeners love our voices, but I get I need a vacation for my voice. Okay, okay. Okay, <laughs> then it's right when I get it. You need a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's been a good season. Yeah, and um, I guess on that note, we gotta say goodbye for now. Yeah, I mean, it's.